I read this week that there is a, a portrait with an inscription uh, kind of off to the side of the main entrance of the Alamo in San Antonio, Texas. I don't know, probably many of you have been there before. I've not been there, but 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 I read this week about this ins- this portrait with the inscription. And it was kind of profound enough that uh, I, I've got a, the, the inscription written down here. And this is what it says. It's got a portrait of an individual, and it says, James Butler Bonham. No picture of him exists. This is a portrait of his nephew, Major James Bonham, deceased, who greatly resembles his uncle. It is placed here by the family that people may know the appearance of the man who died for freedom. Did you catch that? They didn't have a picture of him. But the family said, you know, his nephew looks just like him. And so the family said, let's put his picture up and say, he looked like that. That's what he looked like. You know, we, we kind of chuckle at that, but yet, in essence, we're going to look at a passage today where God tells us kind of something very similar to that. And as we see the the, the theme for the morning is to, to be a witness. And, and what God's trying to do so many times is say, So when people see us, they say, yeah, he looked like that. That's what Jesus looked like. It's not exactly, but but that's that's what he looked like. If you got your Bibles, I I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, the usher's going to make their way down front. Just slip up your hand. They would love to to get a Bible in your hands. We're going to walk through a passage here in Acts chapter 1. And and, and the book of Acts, it, it, it starts off here. And Luke, the physician, is the writer of Acts. He also wrote the book of, of Luke. This is, if you will, the second volume uh, of, of Luke's work uh, here in Scripture. And it starts off in verse 1, just to kind of give a background here. This is the first book, O Theopolis, who is writing to, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up which was going to be this day that we're looking at this passage, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And so it kind of lays the foundation of the book of Acts. And and you got to understand, we're going to celebrate over the next couple of weeks. Next week is Palm Sunday, uh, where we see the week before... Uh, Easter, where you see the triumphant entry of Jesus in Jerusalem, and they laid down the palm leaves and the and the coats and everything there as he rode in on, on the the colt, and you had this grand entrance. And previous to this, Jesus had, had lived about thirty years, and and then he started his earthly ministry, and he went about three years doing some amazing things and just rocking that world, just turning it completely upside down. As they were faced with God in human form. And he starts proclaiming his message of who he was. And that he was the Messiah. And that he was going to pay for the sins of them and for people of all times. Even us today. And in a couple of weeks we're going to celebrate here through Easter as we see. Then when Christ comes and he suffers. And then he dies on the cross for our sins. 
but he's not still dead. On the third day, he raises from the dead. And that's sort of where we pick up this story is after this, this resurrection of Christ, he then uh, interacted and walked among them for about 40 days. And he went around to people, his disciples and, and many others, up to 500 at one time, the scripture tells us. And so that they could actually see him in the flesh, that he was alive, that he wasn't still dead. And so th- that's sort of the, the context here. Leading up to this passage as we pick up then in verse 6 and where we want to look at this morning. And I'll just tell you point number one. If you're taking notes in our outline, it's, it's experience the power of God and then be a witness in your backyard and around the world. Experience the power of God and then be a witness in your backyard and around the world. Look at verse 6. It says, so... When they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Okay, so he's been interacting, walking around and amongst them for 40 days. And, and, and the disciples are getting to the point that they can tell something's about ready to happen. And so they come to him and say, okay, Lord, is it, is it now? Now is it, are you going to set up your earthly kingdom? Is it time that, that, that you overturn the Roman government at the time? Are we going to see a whole new world order and, and government established right now where you're going to, to set up as king right here in Jerusalem and, and in this area? You see, throughout his ministry, they, they had missed it. That, that wasn't the goal. That wasn't his mission of what Christ had been on. That, that day will come. And he talks about that, and it will come, but not then. They had missed it. And if you look back in verses 4 and 5, you see Jesus had given them kind of a, a, a command or given them a, a job that they were to be doing. And, and he said, um, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so he's telling them, I I just want you to stay put. See, Jesus was about ready to leave them. And, and, And so he's saying, look, I'm about ready to leave. You have had me in your presence for the last three years. You've been following me around. You've been living with me. You've been eating with me. You've been sleeping with me. You've been interacting and seeing all of the great things that are that, that have happened. And you've had me with you. But very shortly, I'm going to be leaving. And I want you to just stay put. Because there's another one that's going to come and fill this void that, that, that I've filled. We know that it's the Holy Spirit. In 10 days, they will wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes at, at Pentecost. And, and we see all that takes place here in, in the early part of the book of Acts at that time. But, but see, the disciples, they, they, they missed it. They, they were looking at the earthly. They were looking at what's in front. And they were looking at this kingdom that, that God would, that would set up and, and overthrow the, the oppressive Roman government of the day. But Jesus had much, much bigger things than that in store for them. And he goes on and says in verse 7, And he said to them, It's not good for you to know the times and seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. 
Basically, what Jesus is saying is, don't worry about the timeline. You're not going to know. We see in other passages, not even the angels know when, when that's going to take place. It'll happen. It'll happen down the road. But don't worry about that right now. There's something else you need to be aware of. And that's verse 8. But, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Are you going to set up the kingdom, Lord? No, don't worry about the timeline. Don't worry about what, when these things will take place and when they won't. Don't get fixated on that. But... We see this connecting word. It's a contrasting. Don't worry about this, but this is what you need to be concerned about. But you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You know, this is a cool word in the Greek. Uh, Dunamis is the word. And and it's it's the word that we get uh, in English, dynamite. It's just one of those, those, those powerful words. He says, look, you will receive power. The power's gonna come from the presence of God in your life, is what he's saying. The third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, that's where the power comes from. And so first, he's saying, wait here and receive the Holy Spirit. And you need to understand, Jesus had been with them, and and we're seeing a a big shift in God's economy. A big shift in the way God uh, will do things moving forward in his church. Up to this point, they had had Christ. They had the second person of the Trinity that was right there with them and interacting with them. And the Holy Spirit was alive and active and doing things. We see that earlier in the passage, the things that Christ did through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we see that He was, it has been and will be alive and at work. And But, but He was working in a, in a little different fashion. And at this point here, we see when He comes upon them, and then moving forward within the church, we see the Holy Spirit now is going to come and indwell the believer. Paul wrote about that in Ephesians chapter 1. You don't need to turn there, but let me just read Ephesians 1.13. says this, In him you also, when you heard the, God, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. See, Paul's kind of given some explanation saying, look, this is the way it happens now moving forward. Once Christ ascends into heaven, which is going to take place in this passage, and, and, and then when Pentecost comes, Paul says, look, when you heard the gospel and you believed, then you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. At the point of justification, when you're declared righteous before a holy God, you are then indwelled with the Holy Spirit. That's the way it is for us as believers today. But it's interesting, as you see verse 8, Pay close attention to the order of things here. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Where's the power come from? That's right. Power comes from God working through you. Comes from a active worship and interaction with the God 
the creator of the universe. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. First comes the Holy Spirit, God working in you. Then comes the command and be my witnesses. So what, what does that word witness mean? What, what does it mean to be a witness? Okay, titled this message, Can I Get a Witness? And I think so many times we, we, we get kind of confused with this term witness. And you may have heard things like going witnessing and things like that. And, and witness is, is really a pretty simple term. And actually, if you look in the Greek, it's actually the same word uh, that's also translated martyr. Uh, it, 29 times in the book of Acts alone, we see this, this word witness Use. And, and literally it means to uh, those who see something and tell others about it. it is a literal definition of witness. Those who, who see something, who see it, who hear it, who feel it, and then tell others about it. And so that's the command here that Jesus has given to his disciples. He's saying, look, first wait for the Holy Spirit, the power that comes from the Holy Spirit, and then be my witnesses. He's saying, what's going to happen here is, I'm going to leave you very shortly. And then when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, everything that you have seen and heard and experienced over the past three years, go tell people. Go tell them what God has done. Go tell them all the things, Jesus says, that I have done. Share it with them. Let them know you were eyewitnesses to the fact that that Jesus lived his life, did these miracles, died on the cross, and is still alive. Tell them that I'm alive. That was the command that Jesus was giving to them. and, and, And that's the command that extends to us as we go make disciples. Whether we be his witnesses. That we tell the things that we've seen and heard and experienced. Do you have those things? Have you seen God at work in your life? Have you seen God do some, some great things in your life? Have you seen God change you? Have you seen God forgive you and clean you up? If so, you've got something to share. And if not, let me introduce you to Jesus Christ, who will rock your world. We see, you know, it's not about um, having a, a nice little fancy outline that we memorize. Those things can be helpful. It's not about making sure that you know every verse that pertains to every question that may come up. And there's nothing wrong with that. And those things can be very helpful. But you know what the best witness is? The best witness is where you experience life-changing power of God in your life. And that you have authentic, active, passionate worship of God. So much that you get so fired up, you just can't help but tell others about it. That's that's what Christ is talking about here. But you will be my witnesses. You know, one of the best witnesses, I I love it. In John chapter 9, there's a, a, um, 
an incident takes place and Jesus comes in with his disciples and this blind man comes up to him and, 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 it, and Jesus goes and he, and he spits, puts mud on his eye and, and heals him of his blindness. The, the problem was, is it was the Sabbath and the, the Jewish leaders, boy, they, they thought, nah, we got him now. He healed on the Sabbath. And, you know, no one's supposed to work on the Sabbath. And so they, they bring in this fellow and say, now tell us exactly what happened so that we can we can catch Jesus here working on the Sabbath. And, and they talk to him. And then they bring in his parents and they say, tell us about your son and what took place here. And all because they wanted to catch Jesus uh, working on the Sabbath. And then they bring this blind man back a second time, and, and they're just trying to just corner him and kind of paint him in a corner as, as he's telling the story. And the blind man says one of the most profound things, and I just love it. He says, I, I, I don't know about any of these other things, but all I know is this. I was blind, and now I see. I was blind, and now I see. That's what God's talking about. That's what Christ is saying. Look, you're my witnesses. Everything else and all the theology, and it's great to learn and know, and and, and absolutely we want to grow in our walk with Christ, but the bottom line comes with this. What's God done in your life? Has God been rocking you? Has he been changing you? And if so, you got something to share. Get out and share that. We uh, had the... Fun time here this weekend. My daughter Miranda and a friend of ours, uh, Kevin Nags, we got tickets to the Big Ten tournament. And so uh, we were uh, watching a lot of different basketball games and, and some pretty good games. We're, we're big fans. and um, So we enjoyed ourselves with that. But one of the cool things that they do, though, is at halftime, they, they bring in different acts and they do things to, to entertain us during, uh, during halftime of the, of the uh, games. Yesterday afternoon... They brought in uh, a, a halftime act, and, and I don't even know the, the, the actual name. All I know is they, they were called. They called them Russian acrobats. Okay, now the Russian acrobats consist of this: two really, really big guys, and one tiny little flexible gal. And they come walking in, and these two really, really big guys are carrying in this this board. About five or six inches, best I could tell from our seats of, of, of the width of the board. And this, and they come marching in. And I mean, these guys are big. And then, then this tiny little Russian gal comes in with them. Now, as we were, we were getting ready to the end of the game, you know, that's also when you go to the restroom and you get your concessions and all those things. And, but, uh, they announced it right before one of the timeouts before halftime that this was going to be the halftime act. And my daughter elbows me and says, Dad, Dad, I've seen these people before. You don't want to get up. Stay here and watch this. You don't, don't go to get a concessions. Stay and watch this. This is going to be really cool. So I said, okay. So here we are. We're all sitting here and we turned to everybody. Oh, no, sit down, sit down. You got to see this. You got to see this. I don't know. So they come out here. Well, these, these two guys, they put this board up there and this gal gets up on the middle of that board and you know, it starts to spring a little bit. And they kind of just count off one, two, three. And the two guys go like this. And that gal goes springing into the air 15, I kid you not, 15, 20 feet doing multiple backflips and twists. And she comes down and she lands on that board and they do it again. And she, and, and we, our seats were kind of up a little bit. And we're like looking almost at eye level at this gal, like 15, 20. It was incredible. 
Now, if I told you to go home today and Google or, or YouTube the Russian acrobats, how many would be kind of curious and would go do that? What made you do that? Did I sell it? It was incredible. Do you think I could have sold it that way if I had never seen it myself? That's what Jesus is talking about. Be a witness. First experience yourself. God at work in your life. And then share it with others. Let me give you some, some, some practical things. Here's, there's six ways to be an effective witness. Six ways to be an effective witness. Number one, most important, an active, passionate worship. An active, passionate worship. We see in John 4, 24, worship God in spirit and in truth. An active, passion, worship. That's where it starts. You can't be an effective witness without this, so don't miss it. It's a lifestyle of worship. It's not just what we do right here on Sunday mornings, corporately. It's also what we do daily as you interact with the, with the creator of the universe. An active, passionate worship. Number two, an outflow of that is to exhibit joy and peace. Now you need to understand, you can't just muster up joy and peace yourself. It only comes from God at work in your life. It is a byproduct, but let me tell you what, when you have joy and when you have peace, it's contagious. People want to be around someone with true joy. People want to be around someone who no matter what's going on in the ups and downs of life, and not that we don't all have issues and problems, but there's still a peace because there's a dependency on God in the midst of that. Philippians 4, verses 4, 7, 9, John 15, 11. Many, many other passages talk about joy and peace in our lives. Number three, think spiritually and pray. Colossians 3, 2 and, and 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 tell us to, to set our mind on things above, to think spiritually, to always be looking at what's going on and saying, okay, God, what are you doing in this place? When we pray, it, it, it's engaging God in the midst of all this taking place. And, and it, it, prayer helps us more than it helps God. It, it's not about God. It's about us interacting with God in the midst of that. And so we start thinking spiritually and saying, no matter what's going on in, in the daily things, but yet God is at work. And God, where are you working in the midst of, of the circumstances that are taking place in my life? Number four. Look for opportunities to turn the conversation to spiritual things. Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6. Look for opportunities to turn the conversation to spiritual things. Whatever's going on and you're, as you're interacting with folks of, uh, of not just talking about the weather and not just talking about the ball game, but then as you start to talk about things of life and things that are interacting and then saying, what might God be doing in the midst of that? Where do we see God at work? Let, let, me, let me tell you how God has been working in my life in through these circumstances and these things. And to turn the conversation to spiritual things. Number five, tell your story. Tell your story. Ephesians 6, verses 18 to 20. I mentioned John 9, verse 25 with the blind man. And in this passage, Acts 1, 8. 
Looking for opportunity to say, look, this is what God has done. And just tell your story. And then number six. Stay on mission. Don't get distracted. Remove the the idols and the stumbling blocks. Whatever it is that's hindering your worship. Whatever it is that, that may be discrediting your witness. Deal with it. Remove it. Let God work and change. Be a witness. But you know, the verses go on and, and not only tell us the command of be a witness, but also gives us the location. Jesus also said, but you will be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. In Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so Jesus was telling his disciples, look, they were at this time on the, the Mount of Olives. They were overlooking the, uh, the Temple Mound just right outside of Jerusalem is, is where this is taking place. And he's saying, look, you're going to be my witnesses and you're gonna, it's going to start right here. Right where you're at. Right in your own backyard. And then you're going to be a witness in Judea. And Judea was the, the area, it would be like uh, Illinois for us. We live in Peoria, but Illinois is the county. It's the greater region. Samaria was the area just to the north of them. It was like, be, be a witness right where you're at. Be a witness in the region that, that you live in. And, and be a witness in to the, to the ends of the earth. So that all may know of Jesus Christ and that he is alive. And that he was risen. And that he paid the, the, the penalty of sin. And we see, start where you're at and then work out. Just kind of on a side note, just to, to mention, by the way, this is the basis of our missions philosophy at Harvest. If you go on the website and check it out, you, you may notice this, but uh, uh, we believe that the, that the mission of the church is missions and that the mission of missions is the church. So we're all about church planning. We're all about church planning both right here and, and what is God doing right here in our midst. And, and the first area that, that we focus on is local ministries. And we've got a lot of different things that go on throughout the year in local ministry. I kind of listed out some of them. We've got an outreach out in the Richland Bottoms, uh, an area of East Peoria, a community in there in which uh, uh, we've been a, a group of folks have, have been active and ministering and getting in and, and partnering with and coming alongside and, and, and hopefully loving and showing Christ in, in that area. Uh, we do mentorings into the East Peoria schools uh, where we could, uh, folks go in at lunchtime and are partnered up with a kid and, and, and mentoring in the schools. They, we do backpacks for kids in, in the East Peoria school districts and, and in August, and you'll hear more about that. Let me tell you what, guys, though. We've got a really cool thing coming up in seven weeks. On, on May 4th is our Compassion Day. If you've been around Harvest, you, you know the last couple of years we've done this as well. But on Compassion Day, on this Saturday... What we try to do is we try to mobilize the body right here and just blanket our community, going out and doing things for folks, coming alongside. Sometimes a lot of work projects, a lot of kind of random acts of kindness type things where you can come and just say, look, we love you, we care about you, God loves you, God cares about you. How can we help? And so you're going to be hear some more about that in the next couple of weeks and opportunities to sign up. Our goal this year is to have about 500 folks that, that go out on May 4th for Compassion Day. 
you, you want to be a part of that. But not only our local ministry, but we also have domestic. We also are helping with, with church planning and coming along churches uh, in, within the United States. Uh, you know, a, a couple of years ago, we, we helped with uh, uh, planting Harvest Denver. And a group from our body went out and we helped and supported in a variety of ways. And this church plant in the Denver area, what would be our, our Judean Samaria, if you will, and, and the domestic. Uh, we also have just recently established to uh, become a, a harvest sending base. You may not have heard about this, but just within the last month or so, and it's something that's being done within harvest churches and and. Uh, where we've got about 10 or so uh, churches that have been planted within the last year or two uh, in which we can come alongside for encouragement and, and uh, come alongside and be a sounding board and, and to kind of uh, uh, just come along and, 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 and be a, a shepherd in, in, in some, some small ways at times, but, but, to, but to be there to encourage and support these these churches and primarily Pastor Tim and Steve Belzer, our chairman of our elders, uh, uh, take an active role, but also the elders and, and at times maybe even some staff or we can partner with. You may hear some more about that in the future as well. But not only domestically and not only locally, but also to the ends of the earth, the international missions. You may have uh, remembered a couple of years ago we were actively a, a part of uh, a Harvest Play Ash and actually still continue to. And Pastor Kent sits uh, on the elder board with them and we took a, a trip to, to, to Play Ash, a mission, uh, short-term trip with there and helped with uh, support and that. We've, we've had taken short-term trips to uh, uh, Harvest Managua, been involved in some work teams there. Uh, just a few months ago, we were in St. Vincent with the dental team. And, and just a couple of weeks ago, we took a group to Haiti. All of these center on a church in the area. Because we're all about supporting the church in the midst of it. So that no matter what we do and what takes place and how great it is, when we leave, there's somebody there to actually pick up the pieces and to make the follow-up contacts. And so it helps to build that church in there. And we were in Haiti two weeks ago and... And uh, coming alongside uh, Grace Community Church there and Pastor Abraham and the orphanage uh, that uh, uh, are established there. And just some, some cool things there. We've got uh, hopefully uh, another trip, maybe even coming up here later. Well, we've got the high school. We're going back to there in Haiti this summer in the June. We might have another opportunity here in August. And hopefully uh, some things pan out with that as well we're working on. And so just a lot of things here and domestically, and also around the world. So where are you going to get involved? But you will be my witnesses. There's a lot of opportunities. The application, get involved right where you are. There's some things going on in this community. There's some things going on around the world and opportunities. But even more than that, there are dozens and dozens of people that you will have contact with tomorrow. So be my witnesses after you have received power, after you have experienced the God of the universe and you have this active, passionate worship of God and then get busy. That's the challenge this morning. Get busy.